0: Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 111 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, I have with me a friend of mine. Her name is Stacey Wynn. She is... Her website is called ClarityUnleashed.com. She's a life and career coach. She works with leadership development. She does premarital coaching and deconstruction coaching. She's kind of got her hands in all kinds of things. Um, She's also helping out with a new flying hire program. And she, monitors some spaces in the community forum for the Flying Free program as well. So those of you who are in those programs, you will probably recognize her. Um, welcome. So Thank you. It's
1: good to be here. Good to be I- here.
0: I specifically invited you here, Stacy, because we have I have I got a bunch of questions that have been kind of collecting. Um, people can leave an audio question, by the way, if you're listening and you want to leave a question. If you go to the show notes, just go to flyingfreenow.com forward slash 111 111. And if you go to the show notes, there's a, a link to a place where you can actually record a question if you want to get a question answered. Um, so I had a bunch of them in the queue, and there were three of them that had to do with matters of faith. And I always think mm-hmm. of you when I have a question about that because you kind of taken, you, well, you've started this thing called the deconstruction zone. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Uh, I, I feel like I'm uniquely created, kind of my gift, uh, I've realized through the course of the divorce and, and some of the work I've done in your forums, too, is I really love being in the tension of the unknown, and I felt during my own divorce and journey through my faith, the changes that happened in my faith during that time, like it, it was a period in the wilderness. And, you know, I'm, I'm completely comfortable being in that space where I don't know the, the answer to the question, but I'm willing to ask the question yeah. and kind of sit in that tension. And so deconstruction zone for me is kind of a natural result of that because other women going through this journey have the same issues. So they remain faithful, they believe in God, but their thoughts around church and tradition are shifting. Uh, and I think it's because when we put so much emphasis in our own identities and the success of our marriage and that fails, or we see it failing, like our identity, mm-hmm. what we've placed and, and held on tight to starts to feel like it's failing and slipping. And we have to reposition ourselves in that moment to say, is my faith based on this successful relationship, or is my faith based in God? And and then you know all the ancillary um, and collateral damage, sometimes families, communities of faith, churches, some of that slips away too. So just being able to sit with people in that tension of, you know, what do I do now? And is this okay to believe in? Or can I? Am I all right with God if I no longer believe this? Um, right. That's kind of what deconstruction zone is all about.
0: Right. Which there's such, yeah, there is such a need for it. And the, all of that, that whole process has been terrifying for me. So mm-hmm. I'm glad there's people like you. That's why I pull you in here for these kinds of questions. Um, because you don't seem terrified. You, like you said, you kind of like that tent. You like to be there in that place. Mm-hmm. And I think that's beautiful. And I do believe that, <clears throat> that God has gifted you with that. And I'm glad that Thank God gives us differently.
1: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. That's the that. benefit of community for sure. Yes,
0: exactly. Okay. So we're going to play the first question and then just dive in. So here we go.
2: Hey, I guess, uh, the question I have right now is, um, what is my responsibility, um, after, um, discovering that what my marriage has been has been a shame. It's, it's been, a, a lot of, uh, uh, emotional abuse, manipulation and, and uh, blaming me and deflecting and denial and, and scapegoating all those things I'm reading about. I, I, I see my story and I see even sometimes in some of these books, it's like word for word and I'm grieved and I'm discouraged about what my role was and what's God's because I feel like I've been praying for my marriage for a long time. I have, um, uh, been bring you know been walk in eggshells and know that there was like disagreements that never got resolved and all those things and i'm i'm really feeling like what can i expect from god i'm i feel like he just stood by and turned a blind eye to it just like my husband's family did and um because i know that they saw a lot of things like putting me down and and um you know all the criticizing and stuff and and yelling at me and stuff and um I'm 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 wondering as a Christian and a woman of faith what am I to expect from God going forward.
0: Okay, I think this is such an important question and so many women have it because they I I think people women feel like God has also abused them almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, mm-hmm. I mean if you're she's really going where a lot of people don't want to go. She's actually Mm -hmm. going there. She's going all the way and she's saying, this thing happened to me and he didn't do anything about it. So what does that say about God? That's a very scary place to go.
1: Absolutely. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I had so many thoughts about this caller and first just want to just express my just gratitude and compassion also for her, but gratitude for just being willing to open up and and ask those questions kind of in a, in a public light. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a sign of a, a, a big movement inside, uh, because I think when you get to that point that you just throw your hands in the air and scream out to God and you're upset with him and you enter into this kind of a wrestling match or argument, you know, where were you when I needed you? Um what what can I what can I do in my future now? Can I even trust you? Like those are all uh, great questions to ask, and I think we ask them and then ex- have to expect to get an answer too.
0: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And we so don't, I had yeah. Well, we know, getting, not the answer that we.
1: for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends on uh, depends on what we want. Sometimes we get a very unexpected answer, and then look back over time and realize how. We didn't even know to expect or to want the result that we've received, but it's been such a a huge blessing and tremendous change in our lives. So, you know, thank you for asking these questions and some of the thoughts that I had, and we can kind of walk through a few of these, but as I listened to this call, I thought immediately of, of Hagar's story in Genesis 16 because of that theme, like, do you even see me? Can you see what's happened to me? Um, Hagar was the only woman, I think, in all of uh, the Hebrew Bible that I had that kind of interaction with God, and, and actually she is the only one to give God a name, which was the God who sees. And I think that um, you, know, her, her background coming out of slavery and into an abusive um, situation. Just to you know, go to Genesis 16 and take a look at some of what she walked through. But in the midst of that, when she ran away, God found her and he found her and spoke to her and he did see her. And that's why she referred to him and gave him this name. So I think sometimes when we feel like we everything we know has just come undone, um, that when we're searching and, and don't even know where to go or or what's going to happen with God, he does see us in all of that. So I wanted to mention Hagar in case that's a story that's uh, worth other women just looking into. I think it's it's good to find other women in Scripture that uh, we can identify with. We don't often hear about them in church and in sermons, but there are so many out there. So that's one example. Right. Another thought I had is Psalms and Proverbs. I don't know about you, Natalie, but um, those those were two places that I continued to go to as I lamented the state of my relationship with my ex-husband and some of the friendships I lost and the people I thought were family that I lost and my, you know, my ex's family. So Psalm is, Psalms, is, uh, you can find yourself in those when the, the psalmist is crying out and even accusing God of things, right? You did this to me and you've done that and where are you? And all of this and you let people attack me and why don't you strike them down? I think just reading, reading through some of those can be so cathartic. Yes. And it can also maybe even prompt you to write your own lamentation to God. Uh, oh, I know I did idea. that. Did it's you? a really good exercise. I yes. did. I, I did. And it's not something I kept either. I wrote it. I read it to myself out loud and I burned it in a campfire. It was okay. wonderful.
0: Okay, cool.
1: Just a wonderful moment. So I say yes, go ahead and, and cry out, write down what you're crying out, all the questions that you have. Um, Psalm 91 was one that was particularly powerful for me. and um, so I would I would encourage you, you listeners to take a look at that just as an example because there are parts of that about God's God being a shelter to us in times of terror. Um, and how he shields and protects us. And then also what, what happens as a result of putting our faith in him. And that gets back to, I think my point about in this, it's part of my journey and maybe yours too, is what do you put your faith in? And and you, you realize like, I came to terms with the fact that I had put my faith in, in something that I had created this marriage, um, And it wasn't what was giving, you know, giving my life a foundation. Clearly it was falling apart and I had to reevaluate where my foundation was. Um, And that makes me think a lot about how, you know, we, we hear in other places in scripture about what we build our foundation on and the sinking sand, you know, the building on rock or building on sand uh, I don't think it's a promise that everything's always going to go okay because we know that's not true. Right. Um, but when when it gives us the opportunity to reevaluate, if we feel like we're slipping and we've built something that's not on a firm foundation, it's in that moment. I think, you know, to her point, um, you were there all along. Why'd you let this happen to me? Right. I think it's in those points too, that we could say, because you're there, God, I feel like I'm disconnected from you. I know you're there, but I don't feel connected. Like, what is it? What, what's missing here? And I think even that call out and that realization that something's missing is actually an indication that we are in relationship with Him. We just have to change our focus and our worldview that's been placed and our identity that's been placed in something else. And we have to make that switch and say, okay, my identity, I'm coming back now. I'm knocking on that door because we know if we knock on the door, he's going to answer. It's time to knock on the door again. I feel you're missing from this. You're absent. And now I need to rebuild that trust and rebuild that relationship with you. And he's right there.
0: He's right there. um, Just even trying to figure out who God is, um, Mm is a huge piece of this. I think we don't know who God is. We thought, we thought that we knew who he was, but it was based on what other people told us. I used, to, I used to literally think when I was a girl that my mom, that God was just like my mom and that my mom and God were in cahoots with each other. You know, <laughs> And so if I didn't listen to my mom or agree with everything she said, then that was the equivalent of me not listening to God or agreeing with what he said which Mm -hmm. was fine. Most of the time, you know, my mom had taught me a lot of really, really good things, but she also was taught me a lot of really crazy things. And I bought those things and thought that those things were, were God. So I think just Mm -hmm. dismantling or letting, pulling out some of those beliefs that we've had and forcing ourselves to look at them and say, Hey, this is a belief that I've had for a long time, but is it even true? And do I want to keep this belief or not? Is this belief does it line up with who I really know and believe God to be now as an adult? Now that I'm able to think through things, and understand things, I don't really want to mm-hmm. believe that God is a God who is abusive. I don't right. want to believe that anymore. So that means I'm going to have to change some of my beliefs about who God is and how he shows yeah. up in the world.
1: Yeah. I think one of the, um, the things that finally struck me as so odd about some—it was an internal conversation I was having. I having, and I can remember where I was at the time. Um, but that sense of, you know, God, you chose this life for me. Like you chose me to go down this path. Like I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have met this man. I wouldn't have gotten married had you not coordinated this whole part of my life. And in that moment that I was thinking that, I actually felt very convicted of that in that moment and realized I was the one that said, yes, that was my choice.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, I I think sometimes we separate ourselves from choice is one of the things that she talks about is, you know, you were there, you knew all of this was going to happen. And sometimes it's it's uh, it's such a hard, it's a hard space to sit in, but you have to evaluate that against, you know, God, God knowing what's gonna happen in our lives, because I do think he knows he's omniscient, right? He knows the outcome of everything, regardless of the fact I, I believe in that we all have free will and we get to make choices throughout our lives. But I also think he knows us and he knows us and and what what we will choose. Right. It's a weird place to be in, but I, I don't think he chooses those things for us that harm us.
0: No, um, it's, it's, but oh, he, I think, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: He—he. He, that's okay. He doesn't choose them, but he will redeem them. So at that point we realize we've made a bad choice and it could be something simple or something that's taken 30 years to figure out. Um, he, we can then, hand that over to him. It's like a burden, laying it at his feet and say, teach me what, what do I need to learn from this so that this doesn't happen again? And, right. um,
0: I like to think of, um, the queen's gambit has been really popular mm-hmm. in the last few months. And so I try to imagine you know, that, that woman who, who was this genius at playing chess that God Can sit down and he can play a million bazillion games of chess at the same time and know exactly how to make the moves to make it all come out right in the end while still letting all those millions of bazillions of people make their own moves and make their mm-hmm. own choices about where they want their chess pieces to go. And he can mm-hmm. do it all and bring it all together for good somehow. Mm-hmm. And that's a mystery. And there are stories in the Bible that show, you know, a lot of like, Joseph is a big one. All of the pain that he went through sometimes because of things that weren't his choice, you know, his brothers right. chose to do bad things to him. Um, or, and sometimes because he did make choices, like he chose mm-hmm. not to sleep with Potiphar's wife. If he would have slept with her, things might have, you know, turned out very differently in the story, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But he chose not to and then got and then he ended up suffering for that. And but the point is is that God wove all of those things together. That by, that story is told to us for a reason. Mm-hmm. Because God wants us to see that he is sovereign in and within the really crappy choices that people make that cause us to suffer and the mm-hmm. crappy choices that we make. Or even the good yeah. choices that we make that sometimes cause us to suffer.
1: Yeah. One more point on 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 this call that came to my mind is, and it's a um, an example that I turn to a lot is Paul's uh, Damascus Road moment. Um, I think that you know, it. I know for me, going to to an evangelical church for so long, when you heard Paul's story, it was all about the person who had wronged you kind of. You know, it was always told like you're you're praying that they have the same experience that Paul did on the road to Damascus. That they suddenly see that they're wrong ways um, and they recommit themselves or or discover God in that moment. Well, I think it's it's very much actually what we go through and and as as women who've, you know, traveled this road and suddenly become aware of abuse in our families, and in our, our this abusive behavior in our spouses, there is a darkness there that starts to come to light. And once it starts, you can't unsee it. And then more and more starts to come to light. And and I think that's our own example of of God's. Um, love and care for us is that he does slowly bring darkness to light. And it is very much, I think like Paul's experience where we've tread down this path for so long of tradition and this religion and and going to church and doing all the things and saying all the prayers and all of that, which is what Paul did. He knew everything. He he was very knowledgeable on the Torah and he was a God follower, but at some point he became a Christ follower. And the Holy Spirit suddenly became his guide. And that's that shift that I think we make as well. We start to really see our choices and religion versus what a relationship with Jesus looks like, what a life guided by the Holy Spirit looks and feels like. Uh, And that's a big shift for us.
0: You know, what's interesting, too, about that story is that he doesn't just all of a sudden become... Paul. He doesn't just go from Saul to Paul in an instant, and then he's the greatest missionary that the world has ever known. He actually goes away for, I don't know how long. I, I can't remember. Do you, do you know? It's it for, He goes away for a long time, and he spends time. He has to almost, he has to deconstruct everything that he's ever known about God, and he doesn't come, he doesn't really become a missionary until he's done with that time period where he I wish I had my Bible open right now. Mm -hmm. I think it says, um, I did not, I did not consult with men. I think that's part of it. He goes away Mm -hmm. and he has this time with God, just him and God. He did not consult with men. And then he comes Mm -hmm. back and he becomes a firehouse for, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So, all right. Should we listen to our next question? Sure. All right, here we go.
2: Hi, I am just um,
0: I'm in, in a separation. I left my husband like eight months ago, and I know God helped me a tremendous a lot. But now the last month or two, it's really weird. I'm like really scared because I don't know what I believe. Like it, It's like, oh man, I don't want anything to do with um spiritual stuff almost or like uh, I don't even want to read my Bible. I don't want to be around church people. I'm like scared because I don't know how to move forward. Well, I can definitely relate to this woman. And I know a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people on social media, Christian women, who a lot of them just don't go to church anymore. You know, they mm-hmm. don't, they, ha- they stop reading their Bible. They stop praying. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I kind of had mm-hmm. to take, I had been spending, I'd spent my whole life reading the Bible through every year, was one of those people who paced the kitchen floor every morning praying. I mean, I was, I was a card carrying Christian club member and all of a sudden I needed to just take a break from everything. So mm-hmm. do you have any thoughts about that? I'm, I'm coming back. I'm coming back, yeah. but I had to take a break.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's not exactly my story so I think there's a lot of different stories I see that all the time in the deconstruction zone yeah. space and I totally totally honor that for me I I just dove in headfirst yeah. into the deep end and I couldn't hear enough podcasts read enough books um, I I entered into seminary, right? It was just I needed more and more because I started to see myself in the pages of scripture where I hadn't before. I really started to feel like I I was grasping some of the truth that had been hidden from me and I just wanted to see all of it. So for me, and it's probably because of the space I find myself in, like I I looked for, I thought these are the these are the verses that really have held me hostage. I'm going to study the Crap out of those verses. <laughs> I want to know: Have I really been held hostage by these for a good reason, right. or, or have I been taught incorrectly? So I dug into the Malachi verse about divorce. I dug into some of the creation story and the subjugation of women in scripture, and just I, I had to figure it out. Um, and that 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 was my story. But on the flip side, I totally understand and honor women who just need to take a break. And I, it's kind of like a cleanse is like, I think that's, that is what it is. Um, you just need to take a step back and reorient yourself. And I ask women sometimes, and I would ask you this, Natalie, like tomorrow, if you woke up and that there were no more Bibles anywhere. So just overnight, they just all disappeared. Nothing you could get your hands on anywhere. Would you still have faith in God? Would he still speak to you?
0: That is such a great question. Because if you would have asked me that question 10 years ago, I would have probably had a visceral feeling of panic because mm. the Bible was the Bible was everything to me. And now because I've had that experience of stepping away and just having a I didn't step away completely, right? I I I picked, like I picked and chose the gospel of John. I decided I was going to land in the Psalms and the gospel of John that those are my two things. Okay. okay, That I, that I hung on to, but now I can say that God is not just in the pages of a book for me anymore. He is, and he was real to me before for sure, but Mm -hmm. I, I think I needed to find out God Are you with me all the time, even if I'm not reading my Bible, even if Mm -hmm. I'm not going doing these Christian disciplines, are you going to stay with me? Uh, Am I going to feel you? Am I going to know that you're there? Is my faith going to hold if I let the Christian disciplines go? Mm -hmm. And it did. It did. Yeah. So, and I feel so much more free. I now read the Bible because it's for a completely different reason. Mm -hmm. It's because I want to, and I love that connection rather than this feeling of, if I don't do this, I won't be connected. Mm-hmm. There's a different, yeah. it's like a very subtle shift. It's like before that was my lifeline to God. That was like the artery that connected God and me. And me. Now I feel mm-hmm. like the Holy Spirit is the artery that connects God to me. And the word of God is this really rich kind of tapestry, beautiful gift that God says, and also on top of that, here is this beautiful jewel that I'm going to give to you and you can explore it right. whenever you want to.
1: Yep. Yep. And I think it's important right now to kind of talk a little bit about what that really means. Um, because I, I think when you decide to pick it back up again, some of, some of what has tainted our view of what uh, religion is can be it as a, a, a a version of the Bible, a translation that we've always read. So, you know, when you get back into it, I think you, you can uh, explore multiple translations, maybe read two or three at the same time, start to read some of the commentaries and talk to people about, you know, other ways of reading the, the scripture. I, I don't, I don't think that I don't think we abandon it, but when we pick it up again, I think we have to know what we're picking up because it's not, we try to so, so hard to find ourselves and our culture and everything like that within the pages. And we have to lay that down and not expect that because it wasn't written in our time and in our culture and our space with our worldview at all. Right. So we have to really look at it for what it is and then find Uh, a way to apply it um, in a meaningful way to what we're going through.
0: Hey, if you're a woman of faith in a confusing and painful marriage who feels like you're just a shadow of the woman you used to be, I'd like to help you change that. Four years ago, I developed a comprehensive program that has helped hundreds of Christian women exactly like you go from being a caterpillar to a butterfly in full color, flying with strength, confidence, joy, and freedom. The Flying Free Program uses transformational coaching, workshops, classes, and a close-knit community of women to support you on your journey. We will help you identify the problems and figure out what you can and can't do so that you will be empowered to move forward into the life you were created to live. Registration is opening on Thursday, March 25th through April 2nd. It won't be open again until October of 2021, so don't miss out on this opportunity to change the course of your entire life. Learn more and get on the waiting list at joinflyingfree.com. And now, back to our episode. And I personally think that that has made the, my experience of the Bible is so much richer and more multifaceted than it was before. Before mm-hmm. it was, I remember I would go to church, or when I was reading the Bible, I would, I would feel like I hadn't quite gotten it Unless I felt convicted about something. Like that was mm. my I had to be convicted about something. I remember my mom once said, Yeah, you know it's a good church if you walk out every Sunday and you feel convicted. Hmm. And so that was just my mindset, you know. Now it's like well, <laughs> I don't know. I want to be running through fields of grace. I don't want to <laughs> be like <laughs> afraid yeah. that I'm gonna step on a mine, you know, a mine and explode every every time I take a step.
1: Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Yeah, conviction is much different than guilt and shame, right? So there's a even a difference in knowing what conviction True. is cuz yeah. cuz teachers can make us feel shame and make us feel guilt, but the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. Right. Um,
0: right. And I guess and, I should clarify because I don't want to I don't want to say that it's bad to feel conviction cuz it's not at all. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's unnecessary to go through life like I did, which was just constantly battling guilt and shame about everything, so much so that it was very debilitating.
1: Right, right. And I I think just to hit on her last point, and scared is a word that came up in at least two of the callers, just being scared. Um, And she said, you know, I don't know how to move forward. I think um, you don't have to do what other people have always told you to do. I think this is one of those times, this deconstruction journey, where you get to think for yourself and decide for yourself. And it could be on a day-to-day basis. What do I feel like doing today? Uh, And it could be nothing. And it could be something, you know, but it's okay. I think you have to, um, God's there and he, he's not rushing and what you choose to do in your deconstruction journey is, is, is up to you. So I think kind of removing yourself from feeling like you have to follow a certain pattern or path is part of it. And just that in and of itself, just taking that back can feel weird because we're so used to relying on going to church every Sunday and hearing a pastor tell us what's important for this week and what we need to do and the small group study and our little devotionals that we do and post on Instagram. Like that just is so not what other cultures even do. Mm -hmm. Like it's not replicatable around the world. Right. So our relationship with him and what we do is so much different. And so I would say to her, it's okay not to know. And it's okay to not see the end of your story. Because I don't think God ever gives us the billboard that tells us where we're headed, ultimately, and how many miles we have to get there. But he does promise us like in Psalm 119, to light every step of our path. Yeah. And it's that one step at a time. And today you just take a step. And tomorrow you get to choose your next one and rely on him to help you figure that out.
0: And that is the point, I think. Those steps, that journey, that is the Mm -hmm. point. It's not the destination. It's not the outcome or the final product. So, I mean, I really think now that eternity is going to, we're always going to be, God is always going to be teaching us new things. We're always going to be on a journey. We're not going to arrive and then all of a sudden, you know, like blip out into a, state of utter, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Where we're just complete where we're just
0: little dots of light floating in the universe. Right. That's not what our destiny is. I don't, I don't believe Mm -hmm. if I started believing that I would get scared. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, let's see, should we go on to the next one? The last one we have one more, one more. All right. Hold on a sec.
1: Um, I am reaching out to you today to see if you might be able to um, create a podcast, perhaps with Gretchen Baskerville, perhaps with someone else. I understand she has in her book, The Life-Saving Divorce, a chapter on finding a safe church. Um, I'm not able to get the book, and so I thought, I know there are other women in my situation who've been... Kicked to the curb and wondering how they even walk in the doors again. So um, I know that would be a great help to me. So I'm just wondering if it might be a great help to some other folks. Um, How you find or what things to look for in a um, safe church. I appreciate you and your podcast and all you do, Natalie. Thanks so much.
0: Okay, well, that's the perfect question to follow up the last one, right? This Mm -hmm. is going to be our last question. And I think it's a great question to end on.
1: So I just want to start with, yeah, I wanted to start with that um, comment, that little comment that stood out to me is just being kicked to the curb. Mm-hmm. That just, what a, what a, um, it it is, it does feel like that. But I, I want to say that with, I think with time, you realize that there are, was no better place for you to be. It's extricating yourself out of abusive, um, maybe patriarchal, um, you know, very power over and power hungry situations and commun- uh, communities and churches, wherever whatever that was. I am thankful for being able to see that and being kicked out of that because um, I think that's a very healthy place to start your own journey. So, absolutely. She refers to Gretchen Baskerville's book, The Life-Saving Divorce, and she's right. Chapter 8 is the chapter that deals a lot with what to look for in a church, and how do we know it's healthy and safe. And I think we think about that with people too. It's sort of the same concept. Um, I know for me, if I go to a church or listen to a service online and I hear one of the relationship series, like I will go look on a website before I attend a church. And if they've done a relationship series, those are the ones I listen to because that gives me an idea of how they feel about women's role in marriage, um, what they think about marriages in trouble, whether they make marriage um, kind of the pinnacle of Christian success versus, you know, making singleness sound like it's it's okay. You know, one day you'll find your, wonderful marriage christian marriage like so you got to listen to the relationship series <laughs> that's going to give you a lot of information yeah, seriously but i i think too the other thought that i had about this is um you're not entering into a lifelong commitment and it's okay i think one thing that well two things now that i'm saying it thing number one is not everyone that goes to church that calls himself a christian is a christian And thing number two is it's okay to leave a church, right? It's, it's not a lifelong commitment. And the minute it's, it, it feels like it's wrong is the minute that it's, it's okay to step back. I think too often we get involved in a church community. We start volunteering before you know it, you're like knee deep into this system and it's hard then to get out of it. So, go look online, listen to some services online before you even enter into the building. Or, you know, these days, who knows, maybe just stay online a while. (laughs) But uh, you could do that nowadays. Yeah, but once you're there, if you're going someplace physically, don't get involved for about a year. Just sit back and, and just participate and don't volunteer. Just learn and see if it's a healthy space. Uh, And you'll know, I think, if you're accepted for who you are, no one talks about, um, you know, praying more for the reconciliation of your marriage. They honor your decision for leaving an abusive marriage. Um, They encircle you with support and you're, it's not, you know, you don't have a stigma. You're just part of the community. And in fact, you might even be someone that can can help another woman who's going through something similar. You may become a resource to someone, which would show that they respect what you've been through and your growth, uh, as opposed to, um, you know, not. So I I think maybe those are some of the things that stuck out to me. What about you, Natalie? Yeah.
0: Um, It's interesting because I just uh, just found out that there are some people – that are bringing a lawsuit against, um, the church that excommunicated me. And, but interestingly enough, it's men. And I think it's men who were, I don't know. I don't know what their situation was, but I know to, you know, I work with women. So I tend to Here we've got a group of men who are mad at at this church and it's, you know, so my radar goes up and I'm thinking, well, are they mad at the church because the church didn't, you know, was trying to stop the abuse from happening or what was going on there. But here's, here's the thing that I started thinking about though. When a church decides that it's going to step in and be the judge and jury and just, and tell everyone what they have, what they should or shouldn't do. That's mm-hmm. when you get some toxic stuff going on because you because mm-hmm. sometimes you don't know what's actually going on, but what you can do and what all of us can do is empower other people to make their own choices to mm-hmm. say, because if this church had, if that church had said to me, you know what, we believe you, we encourage you to do what you think is best for your life and for the lives of your children. And we're going to support you through that and love you through that. That would have been all I needed. And then Mm -hmm. I could have kind of grown up, really kind of put on my big girl pants and made some choices for myself. But instead, Mm -hmm. I thought that I needed their permission and not only their permission to do what I thought was right, but I actually just needed to do what they thought was right. (laughs) Right. You know, and then if they would have told my ex at the time, if they would have said, you know what, you've got a story too, and we're going to support you. You need to make your choices. See, Mm -hmm. if an abusive partner wants to continue to make the choice of being, of continuing to deny and to blame shift and to, you know, keep doing what he's doing, he should have the right to do that. But then Mm -hmm. everyone has the right to make their choice within that. And it's not the church's job to say, okay, you're out, you're in, you know, we decide, but it's the church's job to teach and preach truth. From the gospel Mm -hmm. or from the pulpit, Um, one of the things that Gretchen said actually just today we were in this Reclaim Conference that Bob and Polly Hamp were having, and Gretchen was one of the speakers, and she actually answered this question, and one and it struck me because she said, "Does the when the church teaches on marriage, are they teaching? You know, what do they teach about marriage? Do they teach Mm -hmm. that it's that it's two partners? You know, that are that they're equally." they can have equal say and what goes on. Are they, is it more of an equality thing or do they teach this power over dynamic? Right. And if they teach a power over dynamic from the pulpit in about marriage, then of course they're going to, that's going to carry out into, um, you know, the rest of their teachings or Mm -hmm. when they talk about abuse, do they even talk about abuse? And if they do, do they include emotional abuse and spiritual abuse? And yep. so you're just not going to see that in an unhealthy church, but, um, it's great. Cause she made the point too, that you just did, Stacey, you can actually go online now and listen, cause a lot of these churches are posting sermons online for their mm-hmm. people. It's like now is the best time, best time ever to be able to vet a church before you even go. So I just yes. want to say one more thing though, for me, for me, my personal perspective I tried to find another church. I went to different, several different churches for, uh, I gave each church at least a year, some longer. And I finally decided that I wasn't going to go back. To, for me, for right now, mm-hmm. I'm not going back to church. And here's what I kind of landed on for me. And this is not for everybody, okay? But for me, I landed on that the church of Jesus Christ is... Actually, all around me, it's not just in the organized church, it is there for sure. You can find pockets of it, but it's also in the coffee shop, it's also Mm -hmm. here online with you guys. It's when Mm -hmm. I talk to Stacey, it's when I interact with women in the forum, it's when I'm on Facebook talking with Christian women. It's we are a community of Christians. It's when I get together sometimes, I get together with some of you guys outside, you know, in real life. That mm-hmm. is, for me, that's the church of Jesus Christ. And we are Absolutely. supposed to be like loving. We're supposed to be infiltrating the world and loving the world and making a difference in the world like Jesus did. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so I, I, for me, that's what I'm doing now. But, you know, who knows? I might yeah. end up in a church again someday.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the, you have the freedom. It's not a rule that you have yeah. to follow. And I, I love our Sunday night deconstructions on Zoom calls because that's what it feels like. It feels like a, a church gathering, even though, you know, we talk about things that we're questioning in Scripture and tradition. And I know tonight we're talking about, it relevant to this particular point, churches that require... Um, Women who, uh, well, both both the man and the woman who are going through a separation process, to both uh, abstain from the Lord's Supper, and what, why, you know, why, why is uh, is church discipline imposed on a woman who's leaving an abusive marriage? Mm. Um, so I think there's just, you know. Anytime you get together, you talk about God and what He's doing in your life, or where He's absent, or what your questions are. You're you're in community with believers, and you're you're having great conversations. I think that's the goal, and that's the important thing. Whether you go to a building or not, that's the power of the pandemic, man. You, the Holy Spirit has moved throughout this past year. In I ways agree. that are just amazing to see. And most church doors were closed. And that is that's the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of community right there.
0: Yep. Yep. Some pretty amazing things have happened because of that pandemic. Um, I by the way, speaking of the deconstruction zone, we will include a link to that. So if anyone who's listening would like to join those Sunday night meetings, they're open to anybody. So we'll have a link where you can find out more information about that and join. And um, is there anything else you want to share, Stacy, before we
1: end? Just encouragement. Just end on a note of encouragement. De-con- deconstruction's not a bad word. I think when you enter into it, and especially in a community, like deconstruction zone might not be for everybody because you do have to be willing to hear things that maybe are settled in your mind, but other people are questioning. Right. Um. But it's so it's so enriching to go on this journey, whether you do it yourself or uh, hopefully you find some friends to bring along <laughs> with right. you. But just a note of encouragement and continue to wrestle. The church was built on wrestling. When you when you look at what Jacob did uh, with God, and he wrestled with with God overnight, and it was only then that he received the blessing. And our 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 church, you know, stems from that point. It stems from wrestling. So I say, wrestle. Get in the dust, get in the dirt, and get dirty and um, yeah. grow yeah, as I a love result.
0: I, I, when you said that, it made me think, too, of all of the the back and forth that you see on Facebook these days, even between mm-hmm. Christians. There's so much back and mm-hmm. forth. In the deconstruction zone, you can actually ask questions and without being afraid that
1: you're going to mm-hmm. get attacked. So, yeah.
0: Not that you, I don't, I don't know if you guys talk politics on that. Do you guys ever do politics? We did
1: anything? last, last weekend. We, we went there a little bit, but we do it um, knowing that we're not gonna, we can, we can disagree where it's yeah. not a judge. There's no judgment and no arguing. It just, yeah. it is what it is. And we talk and we, it should be, it sh- that's how it should be.
0: Right. Right. It should, it should be, be that way. way. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening. And Stacy, thanks for coming on here with me. It's been a great discussion. And until next time, fly free.